Hello, and welcome back to Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill, where we go back to the past and read some comics from DC's yesteryear of publishing. You can hear us every week on WeirdScienceDCComics.com podcast, and this week we're going to talk about what issue, Chris? We're going to talk about the new Teen Titans number 38 from uh, January 1984. Today's subject, however, is going to be part Amazon, part human, depending on when you ask, part clay. We're going to be talking about Donna Troy, Wonder Girl, or is that Troya or Darkstar? Well, before we answer those questions, we got to clear up just who Donna, Donna Troy is in the first place. And uh, right here, we got a wedding on the horizon between Donna herself and her longtime creepy creep boyfriend, Terry Long. For the occasion, Terry enlists the help of the second greatest detective in the universe to help unmuddy Donna's mostly forgotten past. Can you get to the bottom of this? Well, let's get our doll solvent to the ready as we answer the question of the hour. Who is Donna Troy? But first, let's answer another unasked question, and that's who are the Teen Titans? Sure. Uh, first incarnation of the team, which was Robin, Kid Flash, and Aqualad, was in uh, Brave and the Bold number 54 from July 1964. And the first time they used the name uh, in the introduction of Wonder Girl, who we know as Donna Troy, was in Brave and the Bold number 60, cover date July 65. Both of those are written by Zany Bob Haney and drawn by uh, Bruno Premiani, who also drew the Doom Patrol. Then they appeared in Showcase number 59, cover date December 1965, which was a obviously very successful test because the very next month... They got their own title, Teen Titans number one, cover date February 1966. Now, that initial run is written by uh, the same Zany Haney, mm-hmm. and uh, it was mostly drawn by uh, Nick Cardi. And he actually draws kids that look like kids. <laughs> it's That's not true. Just, it's not just short adults. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, this uh, run went for uh, 43 bi-monthly issues, and it ended in 1973. Just a couple years later, or a few years later, it was resurrected as part of the uh, DC explosion that we discussed way back in the day. Yeah. And uh, ran for 10 more issues until it ended in 1977. And I think that was written by uh, Bob Rosakis. This Jeez. is some weird stuff. Yeah. Because this is when uh, they... they take off their costumes oh really and, uh, wow yeah they it's 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 socially relevant because this is in the era of uh denny o'neill and the neil adams right. uh, green arrow green lantern and and in, and, and in true dc fashion about 10 years too late for actual social relevance <laughs> <laughs> and they they uh they start teaming up with a fellow named mr jupiter who is uh who is a uh the social justice fellow of the day i suppose but uh a very interesting time i ended right as they were starting to split things off into having two different Titans teams, which is kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, now, the new Teen Titans, which we're going to be discussing today, they first appear in an anthology series, uh, DC Comics Presents, number nine, uh, I'm sorry, nine, number 26, which was cover dated October 1980. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one was written by the familiar team, uh, Marv Wolfman, with pencils by uh, George Perez. I believe they were co-creators, co-plotters. Yeah. Um, Definitely, definitely team, as the series went on, they were credited that way. Maybe not in as, the first yeah. first issue, but yeah, for, by this time they sure are. Yeah, and uh, yeah, because they even they even get a creator credit. Yeah. <laughs> for uh, Nightwing and the team, the new Teen Titans. Um, now the team we're going to get here is going to be Robin, who we will, you know, we know he will at some point be Nightwing. We also have Wonder Girl, Donna Troy, Starfire, Cyborg, Beast Boy, or Changeling, depending on the month, <laughs> and Raven. <laughs> And uh, we sometimes get some guest appearances by uh, rather sullen Speedy and Moody Kid Flash. Yeah. 
And whenever the plot called for her, you might get a little clay. Uh, <laughs> they debuted in their own comic the very next month, the New Teen Titans, number one, cover date, November 1980. Also written by Marv Wolfman and penciled by George Perez. And it was inked by Romeo Tangal. This was the primary team that three, these three were credited pretty much throughout the whole run. I think sometimes inking might have been picked up by someone else. And there were, there were one-offs where there might be some yeah. guests, but... Tangal did just so, he did such great work with uh, Perez's pencil. He absolutely did, you know. And and if you want to see the difference, not that it's bad in it by any means, but if you look at Perez on Wonder Woman, and you see mm-hmm. how different the whole look is. Uh, yeah. It's there's a different kind of sharpness to it. But you, you know, know it's a different book. Yeah. It really is. Uh, well, in more ways than just that yes. too. But <laughs> that's that's getting a little bit off track. Uh, this ended with New Teen Titans number 40, uh, covered in 84, but it changed to Tales of the Teen Titans and continued for several years. New Teen Titans relaunched as a direct market only title on higher quality Baxter paper. Yeah, that t- the tales of the Teen Titans, it, it, the whole thing with them was there was a year of original stories. So the, the next 12 issues of that were original, and yeah. then it went into reprinting what was in the Baxter series. So folks without access to a comic store would be able to get the newsstand edition of the new stories a year later. A year later, yeah. Which, let me tell you, that's beautiful, beautiful system, you know, when you can basically crank out the same book twice, sell the same book twice. That's yeah, and you a publisher's know, I, dream, everybody. And I, yeah, because if I was if I was around and you know old enough to hold money at that point, yeah. I, I'd have probably done the same. Because in my back issue hunting, I've bought them both. Oh, so, there you go. Because it's just you know, that's what I do, I guess. For completeness' sake. Well, the the ads are different. That's what it is. This is true, and that's part of that's that's I'm part of I'm kind of a mark for those. Yeah. Um, now getting into the actual comic. Uh, you know the opening here is uh, it, it's it's so interesting this opening because it's it's cinematic. Yeah. You know it's a uh, it's you got I, I don't want to use the widescreen because there's no action but I mean there there's some widescreen panels here that look like they'd be taken out of some sort of like a crime noir movie. It's the whole beginning is super noir and the layout yeah, the layout is very unique. Uh, probably the not credits. that dissimilar to Daredevil at the time. I'm not sure who inspired what but. This True. does precede Watchmen, which would have definitely Absolutely. brought storytelling like this into the forefront. So here, here they are doing it a year before it happened. Because even the credits, like you have like a panel that just says script by Marv Wolfman with uh, with Dick Grayson's eye. Yeah. So like you get like like progression, like like credits are actually rolling. It's, For sure. It's interesting. It's funny because we got Robin here, Dick Grayson Robin. This is 1980. What? 1985 was it? 84. 84, and he's still wearing the short pants. Yeah. Which is always so jarring. It really is bizarre. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's wearing the Robin costume under his jacket. And what's funny is, I, I, to my memory, he was Nightwing by now. But I guess I was wrong no, about no, that. No, he, he'll become Nightwing in about a year. His build-up to being Nightwing went on forever, didn't it? Like he well, was, he was of. talking about being Nightwing like a year before it happened. <laughs> Because yeah, he because uh, he had a falling out with Batman because over the Jason Todd deal. Yeah. And uh, and they made it look like he quit the team because like they they made the cover look like the Robin costume. Yeah, was, I remember. Like, I locked. quit. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, then he came down in his with his beautiful collar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have Robin here. He's talking to that creepy bastard Terry Long. <laughs> <laughs> 
my favorite character. I, I I wish we could have another crisis just to get rid of Terry Long again. Now let's let's, um, let's talk about Terry Long. Chris. Does, <laughs> does Terry Long remind you of someone from your youth? Is that the problem here? I don't know what it is. I just uh, and I know it's not an, it's not a terribly unpopular opinion, but just looking at this dude's face. Is it the curly hair? Is that what's is that what's doing it I'm for an, you? I'm an anti curler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing with Terry Long and uh, Donna Troy is this is a May-December romance. And to me, hmm. it always struck me as a lot of these, like, college girl dates her professor type deals. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, that's it's that's a, very apt. It's a little creepy, you know, but hey, true love finds its way. I don't, you know, I don't know what to tell you. And I, and I like to think, as a curly-haired gentleman... <laughs> that that this can happen. Even a, even a curly haired ginger with a beard can find yep. a hot a hot chick to hang out with. Half Amazon, depending on when you ask. That's right. To, to bring him dinner in bed, bring him breakfast in bed. <laughs> but, but he's just such a, he's such a milk toast. He's like everything is like oh I'm sorry Donna oh it's cool Donna it, yeah. it, he's just such a punk. <laughs> um, he is and he, but, he's 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 always he always seems like he's. Uh, being very snooty around the kids, you know what I mean? He's too he's too yeah. good for these crazy kids. He has, seems to have a real problem with uh, changeling, right? Like he's always his antics really rub him the wrong way. He's very old man like yeah. in that regard, and I think he's only supposed to be like 25. Yeah, I he's know. not drawing anything like that, but he's he's only supposed to be a few years older. I know he looks like he's at least like 35, 40, but I <laughs> at know at least he he is supposed to be a little bit closer, but definitely you know he's always wearing a sports jacket. He has no time very, for these kids, yeah. you understand? <laughs> he's an academic. Yeah. <laughs> he's an intellectual. Definitely the kind of guy with a tweed jacket with leather patches on the elbow. That's part of and, his... And he's a creepy prick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but uh, anyway, like we said earlier, there's a wedding on the horizon here. Him and Donna will be getting married in issue 50 of uh, Tales of the New Titans. And uh, he wants to get her a wedding gift. And the best wedding gift he can figure is finding out just where in the hell she came from. Hey. So uh, he meets uh, he meets with Robin and tries to hire him to uh, you know find out where she came from. And it's interesting because uh, we had mentioned this off there. Robin, he, he's like almost taken aback by this because he wonders why he hasn't thought of doing this himself. Yeah. It's a little tiny. It's it's almost a throwaway panel. Uh, is it even a panel or is he narrating it? You know, I uh, it is it was, it's a it's a it's a little caption. I don't know why I never yeah, thought to help. That's all. I don't know why I never thought to help. With that yeah. little bit, it explains it away. What we said was in a modern comic book, they would never address that. That that no. a character would have that kind of feeling. They would just say like, okay, me detective time, you know, and they yes. probably just you know bust out their detector ray and 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 shine it around and. Oh, Get me find clue, and, yep. you know? And it's like, <laughs> it, this shows that he, you know, he has an emotional connection here, that he was like, oh, yeah, I should have been on top of this. So Donna Troy, they ask her, what can you remember, Donna? What can you remember about your origin? She recalls what she can. She remembers a fire, bodies, smoke, and Wonder Woman coming to get her. And, you know, uh, she knows that she was raised on Paradise Island, but doesn't really know. She knows, And she knows she's not really an Amazon, but she doesn't really know the full extent of what the story is. Mm -hmm. So uh, they go back to the scene of the crime, the scene of the fire, investigate her old house, 
and they kind of poke around for a while. Then uh, Dick retrieves a blueprint for the building, which indicates there are several secret rooms. It's just crazy that this building is still standing up in this dilapidated form. I know. You know, <laughs> is there no urban renewal? Like, what the, what's the no. problem here? You know, just slap a condemn sign on it, and you're good to go. And we're like, ah, that's fine. You know, ah, oh, who died here? A bunch of kids? Ah, whatever. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll get to this some other time. You know. It's very busy. This this, this is the still the 80s. You got to remember, uh, funds were very thin in New York City. Sure. So, I'm not, is this even taking place in New York City? I'm not even sure. I don't know. I know the Titans are uh, still based there. So he gets this uh, blueprint for the uh, building, and he knocks down and opens up one of the secret rooms, and there's nothing really in there except for a disheveled and beat up looking doll, which sparks something in uh, Donna Troy. She remembers something. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't really, nothing really happens clearly. So this is, and this is, this is also one of my favorite scenes in the book. You see, Dick Grayson doing complex, painstaking detective work. Where, yeah, it looks like he's in his apartment or maybe mm-hmm. he's in some college lab. Wherever he is, though, he's he uh, cleans off the doll. He applies a solvent, which kind of raises some long faded uh, writing on it. Uh, he sees that her name is on there. Uh, he actually uses a computer to decipher like the, the writing on it, he sees that it's... Yeah, because all he gets is scraps of paper, and he's trying to finish what it could say. Which is, I mean, this is like high-tech forensic going on. It's heavy forensics, you know? Yep. Uh, the, the computer says that it says, hello, my name is Donna, so then he goes through the process again on another part of the doll, and he's able to extract the address of the guy that he yeah. just gets an address. He's uh, Uncle Max of Mystic Mountain in Newport News. And I mean, this is just a scene like you don't see scenes like this anymore. You used to see this in Batman a lot too, you know, where he yeah. would really get the evidence and go to work. And to see this is just it just uh, it shows that there's a lot of thought put into this story. That this wasn't just kind of farted out there. That they were gonna do a full characterization of uh, Dick Grayson. Sure. So this eventually leads him to the toy maker, uh, who I think actually just repaired it. Isn't that right? He repaired damaged dolls. Yeah. yeah. I think I think he's just like a a, to, a doll fixer. Mm. Uh, but whatever it is, he he, re, he actually remembered this for for. Still uh, not as creepy as Terry Long. Not nearly as, and he is pretty creepy. <laughs> I have to say, when you look he at him, quite. he looks a little messed up. He's a kind yeah. of a balding man that's kind of melting into himself, but probably, <laughs> probably not as creepy as Terry Terry Long. So at the Mystic yeah. Mountain Toy Shop. Uh, he says, I'd repair them free of charge, of course. Uh, <laughs> he signed all the dolls Uncle Max because it made the kids feel like there was someone who cared, and then they could also find him later for story time. That was the idea. He says, the doll maker informs Dick that the doll appears to be the one he used to make and provide for the Willowbrick, not Midvale Orphanage. Yeah, so Supergirl did not get one of these dolls. That's right. <laughs> Uh, as we saw in last week's, you didn't get shit. Uh, and that orphanage was shuttered due, due to a child slavery controversy. Mm. Yeah, he, uh, Dick finds out that uh, the old lady who used to run it, Elmira Cassidy, she uh, lives in Florida now on a farm somewhere. I mean, it's like... <laughs> I, th- I think it's supposed to be like an old age show. But I think it, it is too, but she's just sitting in the middle of a field. It's great. Like they just wheeled her in the middle of a fucking field. <laughs> All right, lady. She's, she's out to graze. Poor um, but, lady. Uh, <laughs> she's one of those uh, cliche uh, patients at the old folks' home that has never spoken a word in 
such and such he is. Yeah. You know, Dick brings Donna out there, and suddenly she gets pretty chatty. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we learn that Donna's birth mother was a either a teen mother or just a very young mother, and she was uh, she had cancer, so she dropped Donna off at the orphanage so she would have someone to take care of her. Shortly, Donna is adopted by a family called the Stacys, and uh, Mr. Stacy passes away. And well, as uh, I recall, Spider-Man killed him. Isn't that, isn't that how he, <laughs> he died? Well, he was he was he was up he was up on the charge. I'm not sure. Oh, oh right, okay, that's never proven. That's right. <laughs> no, he, he killed his daughter though by uh, snapping her neck. As oh, she for sure. Her I mean, I saw that. I saw that happen. Yeah, he, yes. she, fell, she fell off the bridge, but he snapped her neck. He snapped that broad's neck. Well, Mr. Stacy dies, and Donna is forcibly returned to the orphanage because they don't think that Mrs. Stacy could. Uh, could pr- provide for her, which I, I didn't know that that was a thing. I, <laughs> can you return children? Is there a money back? Is there like a you know thirty days money back guarantee on orphan kids? I, don't. I wonder if there's like a restocking thing. It's like twenty five percent. But. Uh, <laughs> Donna's brought back to the orphanage, where she's adopted yet again by uh, a horrible couple who she describes as appearing as though they hated children. And uh, it's ultimately revealed that the bodies she remembers from the fire are these evil, awful parents. Dick's not totally convinced. (laughs) We do meet. It's it's so weird here, because they leave, and Donna gets this... um, just like this urge to go down a neighborhood and yeah. runs into her adoptive mother was a face Stacy. They they tell the story of what you know of what went down and uh, she's remarried. She's now face Stacy Evans. Dick is still skeptical. Yeah, this is I put this in the wrong place, but I remember I, I said you, you this panel this, while I was reading. You send me it. this panel. It's great. It's 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 all them sitting around looking in a photo album and Dick is daintily drinking a cup of tea. He's looking just, very, with one eye, one eyebrow raised slightly. Yeah, like. He's he's like, well, yeah, maybe, but I'm not sure. I'm he's not, not buying all this. We find out that the child slavery dealy was done by the orphanage's lawyer, Harrison, and because uh, it, it wasn't the old lady. The old mm-hmm. lady's a sweet old lady who lives on a farm, so it wouldn't be her. So uh, we have Dick go to the prison. He puts his Robin costume on, does his best Batman impression, and uh, gets him to spill the beans and say that you know, yeah. Yeah, we were gonna sell her for what was it, twenty grand? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So she's gonna sell it for for twenty lodge, and uh, but that and, fire you know, happened. But then the fire happened, and uh, and and I think Dick comes around at this point. He's he's okay with it. Yeah, and once once he finds out that she wasn't a child slave, well, everything's all right. And I really wonder what would happen <laughs> if she was a child slave. Would he like say, "Well, I'm sorry, you can't be in the Titans anymore"? I, well, you know you what know, I mean? He, <laughs> he he did let he did let Lilith Clay stay in, and and I think she was Mr. Jupiter's concubine. So. I mean, you know, I, listen, not everyone there is 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 untainted. You know what I mean? Cor- <laughs> Coriander's been around the block, buddy. I got news for you. You know what I, I mean? I think she's been married six or seven times. You know, yeah, yeah and uh, you know, she comes from a different culture I'm, I'm telling you you know let me tell you you don't get to be the uh daughter of a trigon without no. <laughs> having seen a couple of things in your in your time that's all i'm telling you so uh it, it, it's just it's it always struck me as a little weird dick's reaction here it's almost like i just wonder what he what he would do if she was a child slave um, <laughs> but what's even more interesting about this is that really that storyline that whole this whole possibility of her having been sold into child slavery didn't even need to happen you know, no. but it added uh, this little bit of interest, this little bit of, you know, how is this going to affect the character going forward? 
and yeah. uh, you know, it's it's baggage. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's Where, just an interesting wrinkle to the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it, it turns out not to be true, it brings up all these questions like, well, what is what does this mean about her? You know, and how sure. how is this going to change Dick's perception of her? Uh, or her perception of herself. Or her, exactly. Or would he even tell her? That's something I thought, you know, like, so he would find this out. He does all that extra research by himself, you know, where he yeah. goes to the lawyer. So if the lawyer had said, yeah, we sold her into slavery, would he tell her? One thing that you mentioned when you even suggested this comic is is uh, seeing the relationship between Dick and Donna here is really nice because it's not a sexualized or romantic relationship. It's not romantic, yeah. yeah. And there's actually a quote that I found. Yeah, it's like, a, this is after after he finds the doll back in like the middle of the book. He says here, Donna's voice quivered as I remembered when, I first, when we first teamed up. I could have easily fallen in love with her then. Now, years later, I knew that I did love her more than I could ever love her if, if I was only her lover. For uh, for her sake, I had to find out her, what her past was. It's, a, it's a, such a, it's more... It's a more uh, like primal love. Yeah. It's uh. It's, it's more, deeper. It's deeper. Than, deeper. Yeah. There you, you know, go. Romantic love, or or you know, usually. I mean, the thing is, in comics, why do couples get together? Well, they get together to break up. In in all you know, literature, <laughs> that's about TV, it. that's really what it is. This this is something different. They're more like brother and sister, or like family. And yeah. and the way that uh, Marv Wolfman and 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 George Perez are able to express that is something really unique you know it, it oh, really wonderful. is a level of characterization that i think few characters reach these days in comics it happens sometimes but mm-hmm. you know and, and, and i guess it's fair to say it didn't happen very often back then either really no, when no. we want to get down to it but in this <laughs> case you're, you're looking at uh excellent uh creative team and, and they oh, really wonderful. had a feeling for these characters now this i, I just want to say this is an important issue to you. This is really the one that drew you into the Titans, isn't it? This is, yeah, this is, oh, before we go on here, uh, Dorothy Hinckley is the name of her birth mother. I just saw that on the, on there the film on there. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is the issue Do that really... you think she's really, the mother of John Hinckley Jr.? you think John Hinckley Jr. might be Donna Troy's... Maybe he's the one that did get sold into slavery. Biological brother? Bum, bum, bum! <laughs> but he did get sold into slavery. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and they, and they, made, they made him read uh, J.D. Salinger all the time. He was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they pinned his eyes open. And made him <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is like the issue that really made, you, really made me fall in love with this team. And uh, this is a book that it's sad that it's, it's so easily found in the quarter bins. Yeah. It, it, much like all, like just about all of DC's 80s books, you know, of course, excluding a few. Yeah. Um, this is a book that I will always rescue from a cheap, cheapo bin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this I've given away copies of this book to anybody who shows a passing interest in comics. I've given copies of this book. And uh, it's just this. This is the comic for people who don't read comics. If you want to show them a comic. This is the one I would show them. It, it is very cin- cinematic throughout, too. It's not just the opening yeah. and the closing. There is there is a closing where Dick uh, basically it ends the same way he's back in his apartment, I guess, uh, finishing his narration. Yeah. But I, I think it's very interesting, though, and, and very telling of the quality of the book that it made you fall in love with the team, but you don't really see a lot of the team. Nope. Nor, nor does the team really do what the team usually does to fight you know, villains and, and yeah. monsters. No. This, this is a very different 
comic in the run, but yeah, they're only in uh, Dick's only in costume like on two or three of the pages. Yeah, and it's all in hindsight, right? Or, yeah, uh, so. well, it's, he's got the hindsight, and she, he's also got the uh, his uh, his tough guy talking in the prison. That's right. That's right. He does. He suits up for that. It's just interesting, you know. I think that you you cottoned more to the uh, writing and art, and you know general overall feel for the comic and it's consistent throughout the run too i mean you know if you oh, are it's interested, one of the best yeah if you're interested in reading this comic and it pulls you in you can probably go right ahead and just start reading all of the titans because uh it's great the whole run is great by wolfman and perez and you might wonder what happened and that's a good question uh yeah. to segue into my other question uh who is wonder girl Hmm. Well, let's see. She first appeared in Wonder Woman number 105 way back in April of 1959. This is the secret origin of Wonder Woman, written by Robert Kanika, with art by uh, one of the like creative directors of Wonder Woman at the time, Ross Andrew. Yeah, he, he drew a lot of Wonder Woman. Yeah, I, I always uh, think about Spider-Man when I think of him. Yeah, but no. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he was like one of the driving forces behind Wonder Woman for a long time. And uh, this changed Wonder Woman's origin so that instead of being made out of clay, um, she was born to Hippolyta. Hippolyta? How do we say that? Either one's better. (laughs) Either one's okay. For Hippolyta in Amazonia and blessed by various goddesses from Greek mythology. And uh, when all the Amazonian men died due to uh, conflict, the grief-stricken Amazon women left for Paradise Island. And... uh, so now Wonder Woman, instead of being, you know, born on this island that had never been touched by men, she was born in the real world. She was born in man's world, yeah. you know, and uh, taken to Paradise Island to be which, raised. Which really sort of changes a lot about her when you really get down to it, you know. Sure. That she's, she can no longer be the naive, you know, like, oh, oh the, everything in man's world is so <laughs> crazy to me, you know. It's like, no. It's... I love this country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kanaga would uh, write several stories featuring Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl, and uh, later on, whole Wonder Thought yeah. um, presented as impossible tales in the form of movies shown by Wonder Woman's mother Hippolyta. Part of what makes Wonder Girl's background so confusing is this very thing that well, Cause, we're going to get into more. Because she was originally Wonder Woman as a kid, like she she's pretty much born out of a continuity era that's right yeah because she was she was actually you know when you saw wonder girl that wasn't donna troy that was wonder woman as a kid but so (laughs) so this is interesting because so so when bob haney made the teen titans he Hmm. added wonder girl figuring that you know hey here's here's wonder woman's teenage version i got the the other ones (laughs) and and it's it's been presented to me uh in two ways i i've read that it was he didn't understand that she was that this was stories of hers as a youth or care or or really care, I guess care I mean I mean to his credit I, I can remember covers where I there's one especially it's one of the funniest ones where Wonder Woman and Wonder Girl and Wonder Tot are all water skiing side by side you know now if you see that why wouldn't you think they exist in the at the sure. same time you know that's like they're water skiing together it's just like what the what a weird cover like what by the and nothing like that happens in the comic of course that's just like a recreational joint for the uh, wonder yeah. team or whatever uh but I, I don't know if he didn't know or i think maybe he didn't care 
I think maybe he was like, we need a, we need a teenage girl. We don't have sure. any teenage girl characters to use. Because yeah, there wouldn't have been. So here's one that we can use, and there it is. So, <laughs> so I, I think it was a convenience for that, but that really sure. is where the troubles began, because now yeah, she's born out of a continuity error. I mean, and also Wonder Woman's origin has never been static, even even since then. Canninger, uh, no. you know, one year later. Or one month after Wonder Girl debuted in Teen Titans number one, Kaninger restores the original clay origin of Wonder Woman, thereby <laughs> retconning her existence out totally. You know, I mean, you know, it's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? You know? Like, <laughs> give me because a I know it, at one point, Wonder Girl is older than Wonder Woman. Like, she's been around longer than Wonder Woman. I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, who was she? Who did she draw inspiration from? I mean, she just kind of got, got, like, farted out from somewhere, you know? <laughs> it, it, it really is. It becomes complicated, and that's why. It does. That, that's, what, that's what makes stories like Who is Donna Troy and the other ones that you're going to mention uh, viable. Because no one, there's not a really good origin. To this day, even Wonder Girl to this day, like... Well, if we're confused now, <laughs> yeah, there are going to be four more Who Is stories or specials for Wonder Girl slash Donna slash whoever. Um, there we have Who Is Donna Troy right here. Mm-hmm. Um, in a couple of years in the Baxter series, we have Who Is Wonder Girl. When New Teen Titans dropped the teen, just became New Titans yeah. in issue 50. That was a five-part story. And uh, then you have Who Is Troya. That showed up in the late 90s, or right around the turn of the century, in the Just Titans, Volume 1, mm-hmm. issues 23 through 25. they were no longer new by rights, you know? Yeah, yeah, because this, uh, <laughs> this was when they had, like, Young Justice was going and Titans was going. And Titans was kind of chasing JLA to have the, you know, the, the Magnificent Seven type of a team. Yeah. Uh, and then when recently... Did, when, did, when did 30-something Titans come out? Was that... Do you remember that, the 30-something Titans? <laughs> the septuagenarian type. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I almost heard you looking through your buyer's guide. Like, wait a second, I, did I miss something? It's like I got Titans sellout. I got the, I got Titans beat. <laughs> but uh, we also had a. I, I don't know if it was. I haven't read it yet, but it's called either Just Who Is Wonder Girl or Who Is Wonder Girl from the latest regrettable run on Teen Titans from yeah. issues 17 to 19. That's the one I I, I just you just reviewed that on our site. You can go read my yeah. review of that, and uh, I was not very it's favorable a to it. However, yeah. uh, given the comics, the Teen Titans comics I've read recently, it was great. So, <laughs> and then there was also uh, when uh, when they restarted when they relaunched a lot of things after Infinite Crisis, Wonder Woman got herself a new number one, uh-huh. and uh, this was 2006, and there was a uh, Who Is Wonder Woman story that opened that up. So yeah, this is a uh, well-trodden yeah. <laughs> story, a plot device, or whatever you want to call it. Um, let's see here. After the Crisis on Infinite Earths, this is a Whenever I say that around the house, the wife just like runs for any door she can get to. <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, explain this to me. Well, after the crisis, pew, gone. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> yes. Uh, so her origin changed. She was rescued from the fire by the ti- the Titan Ray or Rhea. I would say Rhea. Rhea, okay. And uh, this was along with twelve other orphans, and she was raised on New Cronus to become. They would. They, they were all raised to become Titan seeds. So actually, growing into the mythological. Yeah, the original so, Titans that that like created the universe and and yeah. all the planets. 
Which I, I'm sure they were teens at some point, right? Uh, theoretically, they had to have been, you know? <laughs> um, and like we said earlier, Who Was Wonder Girl happened from uh, 50 to 54 of New Titans. And that was uh, that featured the return to uh, the title from George Perez. Because uh, it was, uh, I think it was Garcia Lopez was on it. Right, and right. Eduardo Barreto was on it. Um and this is when Wonder Woman's origin was changed. It was because Perez uh, redesigned her after the crisis, and this detached Donna from her upbringing on Paradise Island. And uh, that that little run ended with uh, Donna getting a uh, getting a haircut, changing her outfit, and changing her name to Troya. Mm-hmm. It's a very 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 80s looking costume. Yeah, this is and it's actually one of my favorite costumes of hers. But it's it, it's so gaudy but so great. <laughs> it's uh, it's. It's worth looking at, and it's it's really is a per, uh, Perez uh, costume. You know, he was never he never shied away from embellishments. That guy, he was like, I gotta draw this every time. Who cares? <laughs> I've heard people say that he draws costumes that only look good when he draws them. Yeah, because no one wants to draw seven... that shit every panel. You know, no, <laughs> very exacting. So uh, Donna Troy, Troya gets pregnant, gives birth to, to a son who is fabled to grow up and become the villainous Lord Chaos, and she mm-hmm. takes up the reign as a den mother to the time-traveling team Titans, who planned on doing the old would-you-kill-Hitler-in-his-crib thing with little Lord Chaos, the, the baby Lord Chaos, during the totally horrible Total Chaos story, which leads to her divorce from Terry Long, which I'm sure yes. that was the part you liked. <laughs> well, it was it was it was so badly done though. It was just so it was so out of nowhere. Anywho, Terry Long and Young Baby Chaos they're killed in a car wreck in an issue of Wonder Woman. Donna was later shown to be a be created by the Amazonian sorceress Magala as the twin playmate for Diana, uh, and then she became evil in <laughs> a really. Really convoluted story. I mean, yeah, as if, listen to how complicated her fucking origin is. Now she's tied to Wonder Woman again. And now, they, again, and she's evil. <laughs> and, and now and, she's evil. And, and now she's a clone, like, kind of? What, what is going on? <laughs> then, you know, she was killed by, uh, of all things, a robotic Superman. <laughs> Yeah, this is in uh when they were ending when they were wrapping T- uh, Young Justice and Titans into the new Dio era of DC. They made uh, the Titans into the Outsiders and the Young Justice. They graduated into the Teen Titans team and they had a crossover called Graduation Day. And at the end of that, Donna was killed by a robotic Superman, <laughs> but not really killed because she just wound up somewhere else. And then she becomes this sort of Donna Troy Prime, where she encompasses every memory of every Donna Troy. It's I, I don't know. It sounds like it sounds like that usual comics bullshit, you know. It's sure. Like, ah, we we can't decide. We gotta please try to please everyone and please no one in the process. Yeah, jack of all trades, uh, something of nothing. She, uh, as you said before, though, she did finally come back. She, she was the uh, you know brunette. Wonder Girl was gone for a long time. Yeah. Uh, they did come back in the new 52, uh, as Chris said before, and I guess in Wonder Woman, the uh, Finches run. And now it sounds like that Wonder Girl's the one on the Titans title, which is the characters from this universe that we're talking about now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it is. <laughs> so I, I don't really know if you want to tell us how much you love the new Cassie Sandsmark and how off base we are about, you can write to us at weirdsciencedccomicsblog at gmail.com uh, If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. 
And we're a little short on time, but I'm going to tell you that you got to uh, look at Chris's blog. Chris is on infiniteearths.blogspot.com. He's got a new review of a classic DC comic every single day, and uh, they're always very funny. they got ads, very insightful stuff. So with that, I think we've run long enough on this issue. You got anything else there, Chris? Nope, that'll do it. All right, so long, and uh, keep it on the cosmic treadmill.